As you remain standing, let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? To live as a Christian is to live with apparent contradiction. Not everything is as it appears to be. How, for example, can one be a sinner while also being a saint? It's a core Christian teaching. How is it actually possible? How can sin and death be conquered, as Christians like to say, when both are still so obviously with us? They've been defeated, and yet we still say every year on Ash Wednesday, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The people of Judah during Joel's time had similar questions. They had been driven into exile for their sin, and yet they were told that they were the people of God. How could this be? Is God not all-powerful? Has he been defeated? It can seem like that sometimes, can't it? Perhaps even to this day we can wonder just how powerful or how interested are you, God? How can God be all-powerful, and yet we look around and we see COVID, war, violence, and division? These are all really good questions, and not just because I wrote them down here. (laughs) They are questions that Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent help us to grapple with, because Lent is a season that allows us to come to terms with sin and death. It is the season that allows us to honestly assess the truth of all these seeming contradictions. How can it be that in Joel's time the people are driven from the land, they are driven from the presence of God, and yet hope remained? How is it that we can be set in the midst of so many trials? and yet have unending hope. Well, let's take a look at our passage from Joel this evening, from Joel 2. You have it there in front of you. Feel free to turn to it. As we look at this passage this evening, we're going to see the seriousness of sin, the necessity to deal with sin, and yet the hope of life. Our passage begins with a disturbing image. It's a day of darkness and gloom with clouds and darkness so thick that the sky appears completely black, not even a pinprick of light breaking through. A day has come like no other before, the prophet tells us. 
And perhaps the most gripping of all of this is the truth that what is being described here is the day of the Lord. It's a day of judgment, which comes not from the enemies of God, but from the Father himself. Right away the questions come, don't they? How could that be? I was told that God is love. How can love coexist with a God that judges? How can judgment come upon people if God loves us? It's the question that Joel's audience was asking themselves. We were God's people. God chose us. How could judgment come now? It's quite simple, really. It's because of a simple word that has horrific consequences. That word is sin. You see, the Lord had made it clear that the result of sin would be judgment. That though he had chosen Israel, if they rebelled and sinned against him, judgment would come. In Deuteronomy 28, we find the blessings of following God and the curses of sinning against him. And in verse 20, we read this. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. It's a terrible image, isn't it? It is a horrendous thing to consider. And the line that should jump out at us the most is the last one. Because you have forsaken me. That is what sin is. It is forsaking God, abandoning Him, choosing ourselves over Him, choosing the world over Him. The result of that is losing God Himself, and that brings death. God is life and light, and so to be apart from Him is to be in darkness and death. And we feel the effects of that to this very day, don't we? The effects of the very first sin which has plagued mankind ever since and has done far worse to us than any illness ever could, no matter how serious. Paul writes in Romans 5, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We have all sinned, and so we face the consequences of sin, which is death. And we live to this day with the reality of physical death, but the image from Joel is actually something far worse. It is the image of judgment, of final judgment. The image of facing the Lord God standing before his perfect holiness without anyone or anything to deal with our sin. And that will bring judgment and death. And that is something that all Christians are to be mindful of at all times, not just on a particular evening or in a particular season. 
But we do focus upon that truth, especially in Lent, so that we can come to grips with the reality of sin. While we are given an image of judgment here, we are also shown that judgment is not the heart of God. That even in this image of judgment, what comes first? Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. It's a warning. It is a warning to the people. The Lord is not springing judgment upon the people in the hopes of catching them off guard. He's warning them that judgment is coming. He's warning them so that they might avoid the terrible fate that is before him. As much as we might not like to hear about it, to minimize sin, to stop speaking of it, is to not sound the warning of what will come if we do not repent. It is far worse to keep silent than have the potentially awkward conversation about sin. It is a necessity. And it is a necessity from what we see here that judgment is not the heart of God. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. That is the heart of God. He warns his people not so that they will be judged, but so they will come back to him. It is the heart of God to call people to repentance. It is why the preaching of sin and grace is so important. And grace abounds throughout this passage. The Lord needed to speak of the sin of the people and the judgment that was to come from it so that they might receive and hear of his grace. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. That is what... God desires for his people. Not to bring judgment upon them, but blessing. And he has proved this to be true. He did so by taking judgment upon himself rather than inflicting it upon his people. For while we were still weak, Paul writes, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sin must be judged. It cannot be ignored. It is far too serious. But in his love, Christ went to the cross so that our end would not be judgment and death, but eternal life. Listen to the heart of God from Romans 5. After laying out the serious nature of sin and how it results in death, Paul then writes this. But the free gift is not like 
the trespass, the sin we could say. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That is what Christ has done for us. Not judgment, not death, but life eternal with him. I think it is fair to say that we have seen more than enough death in our time. So much so that many of us have never had the opportunity to properly mourn and say goodbye to those that have died within the past couple years. It's part of what we're going to do tonight. And it is a good thing to mourn them. It is a good thing to be honest about our loss and our frustration at the fact that death is even a thing at all. But rather than us then turning that frustration upon the Father for allowing death to continue, it should make us long for home all the more. To long for the moment when Christ will return and death shall finally be no more. And that day is coming, friends. Mark my words. It is coming. I don't know when. None of us do. But I know that it is the heart of God that one day, that one day of, on the final judgment, the dead will be raised. And those who know Christ, those who have been justified, by Jesus. They will live with him forever. And so we mourn the death of friends and loved ones. But as we do so, we do not mourn as those without hope. For the Lord in his graciousness has acted. Sin has been atoned for. And so death is not the final word for those who are in Christ. Ash Wednesday reminds us of the seriousness of our sin and its result. Not so that we will be lost in our sin, but that through the heart of God and the work of Christ, we might be brought from death to life. And that takes genuine repentance. Rend your hearts and not your garments, says the Lord. He's not interested in our performative acts. He is not interested in us virtue signaling our way through life. He is interested in genuine, heartfelt repentance. That's why I say basically every year that if you're coming forward to receive ashes, thinking that somehow they atone for you, or that they're a sign of just how holy and pious you are, Dear friends, you're missing the point entirely. They point to the opposite. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
because you are mortal and you are a sinner. But because he is gracious, your sin need not be the final word. Keeping a holy Lent is about mourning and confessing our sin so that we might receive grace. Not looking to ourselves, but to the one who, through whom we are justified before our Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He bore the pain of them. He bore the judgment of them so that we might not have to. The wages of sin is death, and so we repent of it. The free gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so we graciously receive him. This Lent, mourn your sin and the death that sin brings. Mourn those who have died and mourn the reality of death itself. But as you mourn, as you remember your own sinfulness and mortality, do so remembering the unending truth that light has in fact pierced the darkness. Sin and death are not the final word. Repent, believe, and find eternal life in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.